I call to order the Finance Administration and Communications Committee of the Whole on uh, February 13th, 2024. In attendance are Council Members Nueva Camina, Stewart, Salahuddin, myself, uh, Council President Kritzer, and online we have um, Council, President, Council Vice President Forsyth, and I believe um, we are, are waiting on uh, Councilmember Anderson. Councilmember Fields is, is unable to attend today. Um, on our agenda, we have six items. The first item is the introduction of our new communications manager and our new legislative analyst and volunteer coordinator. Uh, presenting this item is our COO, Melissa Files. Thank you and good afternoon. Um, with me is Derek Wing, our new communications manager, as well as Julian Bravo, our new legislative coordinator. Um, so just wanna tell you a little bit about both of them. So Derek Wing is a communication professional with a unique career path that includes stints in the corporate world, higher education, and the nonprofit sector. Um, before that, he was a TV news anchor and reporter for Fox 13 Seattle. Derek received his bachelor's degree from Oberlin College in, in English and then his graduate degree from Syracuse University in broadcast journalism and communications. So Derek, I don't know if you wanna say anything. I uh, just wanted to say hello and thank you very much for being here and for having me here. I'm re re really looking forward to working with all of you and uh, yeah, that's, that's about it, so thanks. Well, welcome, Mr. Wing. So excited to have you on the team and uh, bringing so much expertise. Um, secondly, um, Julian brings with him a wealth of experience in government, having worked for various agencies for over 10 years. He most recently served, uh, served as the office ass assistant and coordinator at the City of Sammamish Planning Department, where he worked closely with the Planning Commission. His background also includes being a dispatcher for Seattle and the Lakewood Police Departments. He is also a graduate of the University of Colorado, where he earned both a BA and MA in political science. So Julian, don't know if you want to say anything to the council. I also just wanted to say thank you for the opportunity. I am definitely very excited for this position and looking forward to working with everybody here. Wonderful. Are there any questions for our new staff from the council or any comments? Councilmember Salahuddin. I just want to echo back. We're really excited, uh, speaking for myself and potentially the rest of the council, very excited to have you on board and thank you so much for, um, for being in these roles. Council Vice President Forsyth. Thank you. Yeah, really excited to have you both on board and it's already been a pleasure working with both of you so far. So I look forward to continuing that. And I will also note that Councilmember Anderson has joined us. Welcome. If there are no other comments, um, I'll just say thank you both in advance for your service to our city. Um, and you know, we look forward to working with you. I was mentioning in, in particular, the council will work with both of these positions a lot. Um, uh, uh, Mr. Bravo will be assisting the council with a lot of our policy development, um, scheduling, um, and also be doing a lot of great work from a, a position that the council really envisioned during the last budget process around engaging volunteers in our community. Um, 
um, who want to get more involved in giving back um, and just really looking forward to all of that. And then also Mr. Wing will be working with us as well on ways that we can engage with our community. Um, I look forward to at our, our upcoming council retreat discussing with all of you about some different things we might want to do to be able to go to our community, get out of City Hall, and, and we'll be working with Mr. Wing on, on some of those strategies as well as other, other ways that we can connect. So just thank you all again. Um, and with that, I think, think uh, we can move on to the next item on the agenda. Uh, the next item on our agenda is an ordinance amending the Redmond Municipal Code chapters 2.38 and 4.47 for the Redmond Salary Commission. Presenting this item is COO Melissa Files. Um, thank you again for having me here today. Um, this item is a staff recommendation um, to be able to establish a salary commission this year for the mayor and council salaries to be reviewed against market conditions. In order to do that, we need a code change. The code is very specific about the timing of establishing a salary commission. And essentially it says we can only do that during a mayoral election year, which would be in four years. Um, the changes to the code were in attachment A, which the changes essentially give us flexibility in that timing. Um, so the change in the timing would allow the city to the the um, city to make mayor and council salary changes in sync with the city's budget, which we will be doing this year. Um, so in addition, in the memo, when I talked with the mayor and council leadership about this, um, we thought it would be a good idea to give the council some other options as well, which would, if we considered them, would need co-changes as well. Um, the first option would be um, the membership of the commission. So right now the membership is five people. Um, there is an option to make that seven people, which would also change the code for quorum requirements. Um, another option is um, some cities have a salary commission with term limits. So right now the code says when the salary commission gives their recommendation to the city clerk for the council salaries, their term expires. So some cities actually have term limits, either you know three or four years for the commission so that you can establish a commission every year. The advantage to that is to be able to raise salaries by CPI, much like we do um, regular employee salaries. So to be able to you know, keep the salaries up with market conditions every year. So that's one option as well. Another option is to clarify in the code the role of the salary commission, which is to look at salaries. Um, and the commission is responsible for those salary decisions for the council, but according to the RCWs, they, the, that parameter in the RCWs is just to look at salaries, nothing else. Um, so those are the options. Um, and if council wanted to see, you know, wanted to choose one of those options and look at those code changes related to those three options, um, I'll work with our attorney to get back to you with um, code language on those. But if you just wanted to give us flexibility in establishing a salary commission this year, then the code changes are in your packet. Happy to answer any questions about that. Thank you very much. Are there questions? Councilmember Stewart. 
Thank you so much. Uh, sounds like staff and leadership have already um, put a lot of thought into this, and I appreciate this item coming back. Um, I'm supportive of, of several of the items mentioned, um, but I do want to pause for a second on the idea of flexibility. When council last term and in 2023 was working on the mayor's salary, because that doesn't go to the commission, that's done mm -hmm. here with the council, um, one of the things I liked most about where we landed on our decision that we it, it didn't come forward for a vote, but um, in that work, we agreed that it made a lot of sense to have the decision in a budget year. Um, and I'm interested in, in the question of flexibility for the code versus assigning a new specificity and that specificity mm. being the year prior to the budget um, or the, the year in which the budget is being built for the next biennium. And I'm, I'm curious if my fellow council members have any feedback on that too. Other thoughts or questions on this? Councilmember Anderson? Just some feedback on Ms. Stewart's comments. I also appreciate the thought behind uh, a budget cycle timing. Um, I have some concerns about a four-year term for a five-year commission that doesn't meet annually. Uh, so I think that there would be some value in a, a commission that meets annually with a plan to uh, adjust a budget potentially if needed for a mid-year cycle perhaps, um, and just trying to think about what that commission could do. Um, the other thing I'd love to see and uh, get feedback from council on this, it kind of came up a little bit last year, but it would be really great if we could get either a validation from the commission on the council's proposal for salary from the independent commission or a recommendation from the independent commission that council could agree to. Um, and that would just sort of flatten, um, I should say not flatten or level, but the uh, it would provide some balance and sort of a check and balance on the, the commission as well as the council to make sure that we're um, maintaining the responsibility effectively and making sure that we're in line with budget and, and they can comprehensively consider the, the officials' salaries at the same time. So I think that would be useful. Um, just an opinion, so I'm one of seven. Appreciate it. Thank you. Councilmember Anderson, just to clarify, you were suggesting the commission would look at the council's proposal for the mayor's salary? Right, and either give a thumbs up for that, but usually a recommendation comes from a commission, and then we can consider that to approve. My understanding is that at the moment, the Independent Salary Commission sets council salaries, and council doesn't approve those. That's correct. And so that's a decision-making authority of that commission, but what would also be helpful in my, my um, I guess, idea here is that council, the commission would do the work that we did in open session to consider the details behind the salary and then present that to us with the package that we would approve and agree to. Um, so that provides a little bit, um, a little bit of a check and balance there, or it could go the other way around. Thank you. Uh, council Vice President Forsyth. Thank you. Um, yeah, I'm really interested in returning the number of commissioners to seven from the five that we made in the last modification last uh, around this time last year. Um, it's actually one of my regrets with voting on that from last time. So I really do want to see us 
uh, bump that number up to seven. And I know in the past we've been told it's because of trying to find people, but I have been reassured that there are plenty of people that are willing to step up and serve on a salary commission for this year. So I think it's a logical shift and return back to normalcy. Um, I'm interested in learning more about the legalities of the last bullet point that you had mentioned, um, the salary increases and decreases and the RMC. So I might have to have a conversation offline uh, with the UCO files. Um, and then I'm also really interested in a modification to the removal of commissioners and if it's more than one commissioner removal, but it has to have council approval, um, we approve these positions as a slate. And if they are removed as a slate, I think it's important that we as a council have that conversation in, in an open uh, dialogue and have some uh, responsibilities there as well. Thank you. Any other comments, questions on this? Councilmember Nueva Camina? Thank you, Council President. Um, I had a question, a clarifying question on uh, one of the spots was where the commission was not, would only discuss salary, but not the scope of the position. And I just wanted to better understand that. Sure, I think I have um, Daniel Kinney here with me and it's basically outlined in the uh, the revised code of Washington. So kind of legally what the salary commission can do. Yeah, I'll have Daniel come up because he can, <laughs> he's more, um, can share the detail of the law with you. Thank you, Daniel. I appreciate it as I, I wasn't, uh, I wasn't around in the last, the last go round. Neither was I. <laughs> oh. There we go. Neither was I. Um, uh, good afternoon, Council. So uh, the Revised Code of Washington prescribes that salary commissions have basically one job, and that's to set the salary. There are <clears throat> a scope of responsibilities for uh, council members, also outlined in code uh, and in statute. And so the salary commission really just doesn't have any <clears throat> scope of authority to dictate uh, roles and responsibilities. Like for example, you get this much salary if you do X, Y, and Z. The second part is not within their scope of authority. Okay, thank you. Yep. I guess I am the chair, I don't need to raise my hand. Um, but uh, I, I was gonna respond to that. Um, I, I would say the way that it's written in here of may not speak to, I think is a little bit unclear um, because I think what you're saying, the intent is, is to say that the actual decision they make couldn't modify what the roles or responsibilities are of the council or the duties, um, that they should really be focused on the salary, not, um, you know, uh, what, what the council does, even though in order to do their business and to figure out what the salary should be, they might gather information on what council members do. So, Go ahead. No, please go ahead. Uh, I mean, absolutely, they would need to understand what the scope is. Um, my only worry is building in implied or explicit um, expectations for what comes with a salary, we wouldn't want that in the recommendation, but of course they would review, be aware of, and take into account everything that is expected of a council member. But the reality is council members, you know, uh, undertake their duties in very different ways, and the salary commission wouldn't be the one to say, you know, built into this are expectations. 
Great. Thanks for that clarification. Um, Councilmember Anderson? This is similar um, in, in line with the, a, a question I had um, last week, I think for you, sir, um, was the, if it's possible in legislation for us to establish um, the FTE commitment or a formula for, under, for salaries to be applied uniformly between the council and the mayor, for example, could we say in our legislation that, that council members are half-time positions and the mayor is expected to be full-time or is it just the dollar value and looking at it from the budget perspective, our budget has a hiring plan for a two-year budget cycle that has numbers in what the position expectations are. And it, it's not clear to me how the salary commission um, is guided to decide the type of position or the time commitment associated with the work package that a particular elected official has. Does that kind of come across? Complicated. My, my question, first of all, was can we legislate a formula? You said no, um, but you said you could get back to me too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, the, the, the answer is, is no, right? I mean, statutorily, there are certain obligations of a council member to be involved, but um, as you can see around the region, let's just say councils and cities have a whole range of what those council members do. And I would venture a guess that between your different councils over the years, different council members do it differently and that's fine. Um, there's core responsibilities participating in your regular meetings and your special meetings. But beyond that, there's a whole range of different levels of involvement. And you can't, you can't dictate that when you're elected by the residents of the city that you must do a certain amount. Um, and that's just kind of the inherent um, unevenness of that. Under, I understand that. And I guess my, my question would be, given that council approves a budget with the FTE laid out and certain compensation associated with full-time FTE at this point, that's what the budget says, um, how can we as a council amend that if that is in our control or is it salary commission's control to decide what the, the FTE of the positions is? Uh, you, I'm gonna be totally honest with you. I just, I wouldn't look at it that way. It's okay. not an FTE, it's not a full-time employee, part-time employee, it, it's an elected representative of the city. And, and so um, while it may be listed that way for a budget purpose, which seems perfectly fine to me, I wouldn't view it as um, an FTE or less, depending on how you would change it, because you're not an employee in that way. Um, the other, the flip side of that is that that is the same expectation for the mayor's position as well, correct? Correct. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Uh, Council Vice President Forsyth? Thank you for that conversation. I appreciate that. Um, I think the way I'm now understanding the language of that bullet point is that, say, for example, council leadership can't earn a different pay than every other council member, correct? Yes. Okay. Um, okay. I just, yeah, I think that language for clarity's sake for commissioners might need to be a bit more clear. I understand we're following the RCW, um, but it, it definitely is a bit unclear when you're saying you can't look at the roles and responsibilities, but you have to decide their salary. So I think there needs to be a bit more guidance within that. 
Um, and then just returning to this CPI conversation, I, I really am interested in that. So, so that there is that built-in pay um, increase or, or equity that we've been working so hard as a council to make sure that we're building into all the salaries throughout the city. So I think that that's an interesting um, addition as well. And then as far as uh, Councilmember Stewart's question on um, during a budget year or not, I would look to our finance director to let us know the complications there or if it could be easier that way. Um, I would look for staff direction on on that element. For me, I, I can go either way on, on that piece. Thank you. Um, one question in terms of that, that last, last issue that Councilmember Stewart also raised um, in terms of the, the timing, I think part of the discussion we had previously on putting it in a budget year was so that we could budget it and perhaps have it begin the with the budget, right? Um, uh, similar to if we did the same thing with the mayor's salary, which I'll note also for council members that in the proposed changes, there's a change in here around when we do the mayor's salary adjustment. So that way we also don't have to do it because before it was specified for um, uh, to be during the election year that we could do it whenever we are doing also the council member salaries. Um, but it looks to me reading through this and maybe I misread it, that it basically does say that after they make the decision, it goes into effect in 30 days. Do we need to make a change in the code or am I just misreading it to allow them to say or establish an effective date? Um, Mr. Kenny and I had talked about that and I had asked that question, you know, can the salary commission say, you know, we wanna raise council salaries by this much on a certain date, like January 1st or, you know, when the budget goes into effect and they can do that. Um, if they don't do that, then it goes into effect in 30 days per the statute. Do we need to add that into the code or is it already from your interpretation of the code that that is what is, uh, and I may just have misread it, but I didn't see it in there that gave us that flexibility. I guess that's a question for you. Well, I will follow up here to say, I think there are a few pending questions here. Um, the, um, the proposal was to have this go to consent on the 5th of March. I'm wondering if we wanna have um, some more information come back to the council and, and discuss it a bit more. Um, just wanted to get a temperature from council members or are you ready to send in your input and, and vote on this on the 5th? I, uh, there's a couple different questions I think still out there and information people asked for. You're good to have it come back. Thumbs down, thumbs up to vote soon. Thumbs up for another visit before March 5th. Great, another visit before March 5th. So we, I think we could still stay on path for March 5th and potentially see this at another committee meeting um, or potentially take it onto a study session. So for clarity, would you like me to bring back um, language in the code for some of the things, for, for some of the notes that I have written down, whether it's every year, every budget year, um, so that you can look at that, would that be helpful? I think that would be helpful to have some clear options of exactly what we would be changing because we okay. have the, the um, revisions, uh, the current revisions, but those three pieces. Are council members good to, to have those three pieces, the actual language come back to us so that way we can say up or down um, and then put it onto the business meeting agenda? I see a thumbs up from Council Vice President Forsyth. Yes, Council Member Stewart. Um, I don't have a thumb at the moment because I would have a couple clarifying questions about the three that were proposed by council leadership. I, I heard um, some 
some some questions remaining about the the role of a long longer standing commission, um, and also I I heard the enthusiasm for increasing the number of commissioners, um, but I I would like to hear a little bit more about about why I, I don't remember us making that change or why we made that change and why we might go back. Um, so I think there's just a little bit unsaid there. So these are the reasons I, for which I do not have a thumb at the moment yet. Okay, great. Um, and perhaps uh, just quickly, COO Files can uh, give us the history on that change from seven to five. Um, so the the major reason was, as Council Vice President Forsyth stated, it is sometimes hard to get people to serve on commissions, um, and so it was if if we continually struggle to get seven people, then we can't seat a commission. So we would have to continue to recruit until we could do that. It has been easier for us to get five than seven, but it's up to you. Council Vice President Forsyth? Um, yeah, I, I still very much stand by the seven. We got seven last time. I know that one continually didn't show up, but that they were still able to hold quorum. Um, and I, I do feel like we should have had a larger conversation about this last time, and we, and we just simply didn't. Um, so I'm still very, very much in favor of seven versus five. I think that gives greater voice to this decision for our community. Um, and I'm very strongly in favor of that. Also interested to hear what other folks think about the removal clause that I'd mentioned um, as a potential add. And I think when we do review this next time that we should add the original um, ordinance that we changed from. I know we had the one we changed to last year, but I think the, the prior ordinance um, so that folks can see the, the numbers on there would be helpful as well. Thank you. Councilmember Anderson? Thank you. A couple just follow-up questions. I don't need an answer right now. Um, this was to Ms. Kritzer's question regarding uh, effective date of pay. Uh, and just to clarify, we can do retro pay as well, I'm assuming. And if not, then that would be helpful to clarify so they can do a back date for a start date. Um, secondly, on the comment regarding the um, number, regardless of whether we have number uh, seven or five, my suggestion would be, ha would be similar to how we have council rotations and have three of the seats or two of the seats open um, every two years. So if you have a four-year commission, then you would have some sort of cycle where it would be regularly um, recruited for in those, t those time frames. And that will help with some of the recruitment issue and we're not recruiting as many people in those years. So I'm not sure that seven or five is um, going to be a sticking point for that, provided that you have um, the quorum requirements met. And then to Ms. Forsythe's comment, um, I think what, what I, I'm supportive of the idea of not being able to fully de decommission all commissioners at once, uh, but in the same vein, I'm a supportive of immediate interim appointments with the council approval. Um, so some, some sort of function to replace somebody if they're not meeting the terms of in conditions of the the commitment that they made to serve um, that would be really helpful and I think we have some language from other commissions for that already as well um, but maybe it would be helpful to include anything that drops below quorum uh, council needs to be notified and then uh, a fully decommissioning the commission would have to be a council action thanks Great. 
Um, well, given the fact that we have four other items on our agenda and it seems like we have more to discuss here, um, I'll ask you to come back to the council with a bit more information and some more specific options so we can give you direction at, at the next committee and hopefully work with the committee chair to be able to put that on there. We'd be happy to do that. Uh, Councilmember Stewart. Thank you. I, I do appreciate that. And I, I also appreciate um, CO files that your, your question was, is this something we want to work on? And I think the you've heard the enthusiasm um, for that, yes. I also want to just flag for, for us to be an accountable body and an accountable partner that some of this discussion is ours to have too, so that we know what to ask for in, in the next drafts. So there's some more information, yes, um, but it's kind of a, it feels like a long, messy bucket at the moment. <laughs> and, that, and some of that work is a little bit on us. I, so I just, I don't want the staff to feel like it, um, it is just passed back um, it, at the moment. That's what it feels a little bit like is happening. So I just wanted to recognize you for that. I appreciate your work on this and we'll work to have more conversation on this too, right? Thank you, Councilmember Stewart. I, I appreciate that. And, and I would be clear that I think in the places where we've provided any direction today where you've heard from a majority of council members' interest in being able to have things brought back, that's great. And I also would say that I'm, I am uh, suggesting that we have another discussion because we just don't even have time for that discussion amongst our council right now um, to be able to talk about some of these issues because I think we want to be able to have a little back and forth on some of these topics before we make the decision. And, and I don't see us doing that in the next five minutes or so. So I think uh, to, to Councilmember Stewart's point, my hope would be in our next discussion, we both can amongst us decide what our vision is. Um, and if there's any clarifying information that can come back to us, that would be helpful. But uh, don't unduly uh, do additional work if, if, if it's not been clear. Thank you. I will, um, by email, kind of answer some of the questions that you have asked so that you have that information and then um, I'll bring you back. Thank you. Great. Um, well, the next item on our agenda is the acquisition of King County Parcel 252605-9203 from King County Property Services. Um, introducing this item is our Finance Director, Kelly Cochran. Good afternoon. I have with me today David Amble to help walk you through the acquisition. Uh, thank you, Council. Um, again, yes, acquisition of 252605-9203. Uh, um, pretty simple acquisition from King County. It's a uh, parcel that's been uh, in foreclosure, was on the auction block. We got it pulled off the auction block so that we could buy it instead of having somebody else buy it again, and then it would be in foreclosure again, et cetera. Um, pretty simple acquisition for $3,500, and we're just looking for consent. Are there any questions from the council? Councilmember Stewart. I uh, thank you so much. We don't see items like this very often, um, but the memo was very clear. Very, you know, the, the reason why we are here having this decision today is very clear. And so I just wanted to mostly say thank you for your foresight um, and taking care of our city. And yeah, it would be a real bummer if <laughs> our infrastructure um, was, was not um, protected in this way. So thank you very much. You're welcome. Council Vice President Forsyth. Thank you. Um, I'm just a little interested in if there's any if there's a lien on the property if there's any of those sort of implications to it being in foreclosure or if the 3500 is everything uh, first first question there is no lien i did a title report which was clean um king county has full full access to it 
um, they acquired it in foreclosure, so they didn't have to take it back from somebody. I mean, they did take it back from somebody, but there was no uh, no no cost involved. And really, the thirty five hundred is is um, the uh, is the full end cost. So it's it's just a simple transaction and get the get the deed from them. Okay, thank you. Sorry, I'm looking up at the screen there instead of the camera. <laughs> no, you're good. You're good. <laughs> I'm seeing your back anyway. It's fine. Okay. <laughs> Great. Um, any other questions? This item is being proposed for the consent agenda on February 20th. Uh, is, are there, is there any objection? Seeing none, um, we'll move that to consent. Thank you very much. Thank you. The fourth item on our agenda is the quarterly overtime report. Um, presenting this is our Director of Finance, Kelly Cochran. Thank you. I have with me um, Marissa Violante to help present um, the fourth quarter quarterly overtime report. Um, I wanted to just take a moment and thank Marissa for um, her years of service. She will be um, leaving the city in a few days. Um, she's taking a great position that's close to her home. She will be desperately missed, um, and I just wanted to say thank you and acknowledge her here in front of council. Thank you, Kelly. It has been an honor to serve this city, and I have very mixed feelings about leaving. So, um, I am here to present the fourth quarter overtime report. Um, I want to be clear that this covers all of 2023, um, and the information in um, the report includes a budget adjustment for the fire department's negotiated COLA for 2024. So that is included in the numbers. Um, a brief summary, uh, citywide overtime uh, totals 6.01 million and is 20.1% ahead of budget expectations. Um, but looking at the overtime salaries and regular salaries together, we are coming in under budget. Uh, the fire department um, has overtime of 4.26 million and they are 18.4% ahead of budget. Um, but with regular salaries, again, they're um, 50,000 ahead of budget, which is 0.1%. The police department uh, is 43.3% ahead of budget, um, but they have significant vacancy savings of 1.3 million, which more than makes up for um, their budget overage. Um, and then looking at all other departments, um, we are $496,000 or 1.2% ahead of budget. Um, part of that is um, that uh, we budgeted we under-budgeted over time for special events for parks, so for derby days, um, Redmond lights, that kind of thing. Um, and that's something that we'll be correcting in the upcoming budget. Um, I'd be happy to answer any questions that you have. Great. Thank you so much. And, and thank you, Ms. Flynn, for all of your just amazing work in the city. I know we've heard many wonderful reports from you and, and uh, that the finance staff and you in particular pull a lot of long hours to be able to serve us. So I uh, wish you the best in, in your new role. Thank you. Um, are there questions from the council on this item? Seeing none, just say thank you very much. Oh, uh, Council Member Stewart. Sorry, I was leaving space because I've been a little going first a lot lately. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, so thank you so much, Ms. Flynn and Dr. Cochran. Really appreciate this. Um, looking uh, ahead at this last year of the biennium, any expectations, things that you might be looking for in these trends with, with overtime? 
Um, I would say I'm always concerned about the public safety departments um, in general. Um, with the cola um, that we saw for a fire, I'm less concerned about um, overages when we look at those regular, sal regular salaries and overtime together, but it's always something to watch. Um, we never know what's going to happen. Um, I am, other than that, I don't have any particular concerns. Um, I think uh, third quarter, I was a little concerned. Um, Fire has done a great job of um, isolating some of the causes of their overtime and getting those things corrected and adjustments made. Um, looking at the numbers now, I'm feeling um, pretty confident that we can manage for 2024. Thank you so much. Council Vice President Forsay. Thanks. I just had a community member reach out and ask about the police uh, flagging and who pays for that, if that's the city or if that's a, um, a developer or school or how, how that works. Um, that is fully reimbursed by whomever has requested the flagging. So developer, school, special event, the city does pay for it and we are reimbursed in full. Great. I gave them the right answer then. Thank you. Perfect. Councilmember Nueva Camino. Thank you. Um, my, my question is one of a newer council member. So um, thank you uh, in advance for your patience. Um, when I've run teams and I'm, I'm running with regular payroll and then overtime, um, one of my biggest concerns is burnout. And of course, I haven't done a deep dive to learn what's the root cause for the imbalance. Why are we running under but down over? And really looking at, at our, our safety folks that already are experiencing burnout, um, is this, do we know what the, the, the cause of the imbalance is? Um, generally speaking, and I will defer to our chiefs or anyone who's here from police or fire if this answer isn't sufficient, um, but generally speaking, um, it's because we have vacancies and within both police and fire, it takes a long time to get someone new on board. Um, and so one of the ways that we try to manage that is we have what's called overhires. So positions that we, we allow the position in the budget that council approves, but it's not funded. What that does is it means that if we know that a firefighter is set to retire next year, um, they are able to start recruiting for that person's replacement, get them into fire academy, which I believe is about nine months long, um, and, and keep that process going. Um, but what happens is there, there are always vacancies, so it's, it's a real, to me, it's a guessing game. They know what they're doing. Um, but trying to figure out the right rate to fill those positions. They don't want to overfill, and then we have, we're fully staffed, and including those overhires. They don't want to underfill and then be mandating overtime, and then there is burnout. Um, so I would defer to, I see Chief Lowe here. I don't know if Chief Shepard is um, present, but they may be able to provide more information. Sorry, Chief. <laughs> Thank you, Chief. I, I appreciate the, the, the quick lesson. And you're looking quite dapper today. Thank you. So uh, with the police overtime, it comes from uh, a variety of uh, causes and reasons. Um, when we have a shortage of personnel, we have to backfill for that. Uh, but on the police side, we have uh, investigations that we don't know um, where it's going to take us or how long it's going to take us. Uh, there'll be other events uh, or circumstances uh, such as a special meeting tonight that requires additional staffing uh, because of other safety concerns. 
Um, and then, as was mentioned, the hiring process for us uh, is about 12 to 14 months. Uh, so it takes a while to get from uh, applicant to functional police officer on the street. Uh, and then with that, it, it becomes challenging from a budget perspective to um, accurately forecast how much uh, in overtime we need. So what you'll typically find is that the police overtime budget is often underfunded because we just don't know. Uh, so as to be, you know, a good steward of the, you know, of uh, the city's money, of the people's monies, uh, it just becomes very challenging because we, do, we don't want to, you know, to, say take too much and then not utilize it. So we do um, the best we can with looking back over the last three to five years of saying, okay, here's what we've spent. Here's a good, uh, I'll call it guesstimation of how much should be uh, funded for that particular source. Thank you for, for breaking that down and also being um, striving to be a good steward of both uh, money and our incredible staff. So thank you for both. Councilmember Anderson. A hat tip to our New York Council member, Ms. Nuweva Kumena, um, because I, you read my mind. I was wondering how staff's doing, if they're overworked or not, and uh, police and fire. We did have a large conversation last year about public safety levy where we were looking at retaining and retaining and retraining and also growing the force. So I'd be curious if we're looking at adjustments to the OT budget or um, what the plan is going forward. Um, a little bit of clarification that is relevant is um, we, you know, we budget regular salaries in full and then we budget overtime. But because we know that we will have vacancies, we do expect overtime to be over budget. And I say that for new council members primarily. Um, we know that it's going to be over budget often. Um, that's why we also provide the figures about how, where are we with regular salaries and over sal overtime salaries combined. Um, I won't be here to be part of the process, but I do believe the plan is to look at um, how we budget overtime for this next budget cycle. Um, there are accounting mechanisms that can be used um, in addition to just more right-sizing based on what we see happening. Um, so I believe that is something that we're going to focus on or that Kelly's team will focus on. Thank you. Can I have a quick follow-up yep. to that? Would love to know the intention behind having an overtime budget, if it can be lumped in together with salaries and wages in terms of what are we trying to achieve? Are we actually doing a spot check to see how staff is doing? And you're coming to a council and telling us staff's great, but we're over budget. Um, that sounds like a budgeting, like an accounting or a budgeting issue. So just kind of, this is me on my soapbox for the last six years. Why do we have an overtime budget? Can it be in part of salaries and wages? And can we get an update on um, staff sort of health and performance and morale instead? I will make sure that when we are here to provide you with the first quarter report um, for 2024 that um, both chiefs are here um, so we can um, address your question directly about staff. Great. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. And, and I'll follow up that I, I do think there's a discussion to be had during the budget this upcoming year about how are we budgeting learning from the past trends of looking at this so that we get at least closer to the, the amount, we budget closer to the amount that we expect. One question I have on this is just around the um, parks and recreation over time. Um, since it's for events that recur every year, um, you know, it's, it's surprising to me that we would be 44% ahead of budget expectations on that. Yeah, so that was the budget, the starting point that we were looking at for this biennium that we're currently in was COVID, where we didn't have those events. And so I think it was just as a simple oversight 
um, that those lines didn't get budgeted back to the full level. So I don't know whether we, um, yeah, it, it, was, it was just oversight. And so it's something that we have eyes on now um, and it will be budgeted at the full need in the future. Got it, that makes a lot of sense, thank you. Are there any other questions? Okay, um, well then we will say thank you so much, Ms. Flynn, and we'll move on to the next item, which is the budget process update and financial report review with Director Kelly Cochran. Thank you, I also have our financial planning manager, Haritha Nara, joining me. Um, there are three things I wanted to touch base with you on today. First is the um, financial reports for September, October, November. Um, second is um, I'd like to touch base on um, a potential improvement for uh, the upcoming budget cycle. And then I want to um, check in on the um, topics that we have scheduled for the study session on the 27th and make sure that there's not any additional information that you would like us to include. So um, first of all, we had emailed the uh, monthly financial report September, October, November, um, a couple of weeks ago. The reports um, would indicate to council that things are um, going as planned. No um, significant concerns about revenues um, or expenditures at this time. Um, one of the things that I was a little nervous about going into this budget cycle was a change that we had made to recognize some of our uh, one-time um, sales tax revenue as ongoing. Um, and it was a big shift. We went from essentially um, 1.3 million to 6.5. Um, we've had great results this year. We've also taken um, a deep dive into um, the forecasting of our one-time revenues for the next few years based on what we know of the projects that are in the pipeline in our city and we expect that um, that revenue source is secure going forward. So um, the concerns that I have are no longer. But any questions from you for any of those financial reports? Yeah. Yes, before we go to council members, can you repeat we the change that we made yeah. from ongoing, one time sure. to ongoing? So um, we typically have had a um, policy in place that we use ongoing dollars for ongoing expenditures and one time for one time. And one of the areas that we were struggling with last time is we were in the midst of recovery, um, but not quite there. And one of the um, opportunities that we had is to recognize um, our one-time sales tax as a revenue source to help offset the ongoing expenses. That, is, um, that was a change for us. And um, so typically we were just staying within um, the ongoing sales tax. So anything minus sales tax on construction is really what we isolate as our one-time as well as audits if they occur. And we have received um, historically between 6.5 and I would say um, at the height of our development, we've received up to 16 million a year in one time. We tend not to recognize it until after the biennium is over and then we have sort of a large fund balance that we work to allocate. Um, during this biennium, um, uh, Director Corder had made a change and we recognized some of that sales tax on construction that we felt he felt was um, fairly assured that we would receive it um, going forward as ongoing. Got it, okay. 
and I do remember that. I was slightly stressed, but I'm good now. I thought you said you had made a, a new change. Uh, thank no. you. Um, Councilmember Stewart. Thank you, uh, Dr. Cochran and Haritha. Thank you so much. A um, couple of questions. It's actually really significant to know that you were that nervous because it definitely didn't show, but now I will look for telltale signs for the next cycle. <laughs> um, and and that is actually the topic that I wanted to, to ask about today because um, shortly, and, and in the budget cycle and, and in the months that followed, um, the interest rates played a lot of havoc in, in a lot of things. Um, and to hear you say today that you are, you are not, in, not, not worried about the long-term development, sales tax revenues, um, that is good now. Is it, was there a moment where interest rates were affecting inbound permitting or any, anything like that? Um, I think when um, we were facing high inflation, high interest rates, it's, it's concerning. It affects our ongoing costs. We are happy that those CPI numbers have come down. We are really hoping that they are um, bringing um, interest rates uh, down with them. We don't plan to borrow. We didn't have any plans to borrow. Um, the interest rates are doing very positive things for us when it comes to our revenues. So. Sure. So uh, second question then is on the use of the, the sales tax for coming from one time to, to the ongoing revenues. Um, I'm hearing you say that this is a a tactic we might continue to pursue in the future. Would it be fair to say that the degree to which we'll use it is dynamic depending on needs of the city and, and changing, or do you anticipate like a similar ratio being used? I would anticipate similar. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Other questions from the council? All right, then you can continue. Thank you. Um, so the next thing is I wanted to give you um, an update, provide you with an update of what's going on um, at the staff level, at the leadership level right now um, to prepare for budget and then propose um, sort of a process change really when it comes to council and see um, how you feel about that. When I have then some feedback from you, I can um, do a, some additional planning and bring that back as a, a topic during the study session. Um, so right now we are working hard on um, the forecast numbers that will inform the budget process. Um, Year-end numbers look just as positive as things were looking in November as term in terms of revenue. Expenditures is where we are seeing um, some pressure mm -hmm. and we will have to deal with that in the upcoming um, decision making that we need um, to do. We are still waiting for some final numbers. I believe that I will have those numbers before we bring the preliminary numbers um, to council. Um, in part of working out um, or forecasting out our expenditures, Haritha is working on a lot of internal rate setting when it comes to our fleet, our medical, workers comp, um, overhead, things like that. So she's getting that part of the budget um, set and we are also working on costing out our positions and I really want to take a moment to just highlight a huge improvement that was made um, this week last week I've lost track um, by staff from the finance department and the TIS department the process for costing out our employees typically takes weeks um, a number of people uh, a very committed amount of time during a weeks-long process um, working uh, with staff and um, our new uh, environment created from the D365 projects, they were able to automate that and it is now happening within just a couple of hours slash days um, and it's amazing. 
So I just want to recognize my staff, recognize um, Director Marchand's staff. Um, it certainly gives us not only capacity, but additional time to work on verifying information. Very, very grateful. Um, we are also working through um, process improvements. So we certainly take time at the end of every budget process to debrief, not only with council, but with staff and the leadership team. And we look for how do we, how do we make this better um, the next time. And one of the things that I would like to propose is our communications last updates to council on exactly what I just gave you, what's going on internally. And so um, one of the things that I would like to propose is a monthly update to council during these FAC meetings. Um, to me, the agendas would include any changes to assumptions or um, data that I have provided to you before. So if I'm seeing something significant change in the forecast, I want to give you um, some notice on that. I want to be able to let you know if we've had a change in our process or a change in a calendar date. Um, or changes in our strategies that we're looking at. As, uh, as uh, Marissa just mentioned, we, we will likely talk about overtime or other things like that. And as we move decision-making through our process, I want to be able to get that information to council and allow you have time to, um, to think about it and give us feedback early, if you can. Um, if not, at least just get the information to you so you're aware that that is um, coming. We want to make it very clear to council um, what has already been kind of through your um, lens um, and what's coming next, uh, where it came from, and what council's role is um, when you get that information. Just provide a lot more clarity of what um, is coming and going. Um, my big goal is to um, take away any mystery you might have. Um, to work through things as we go along this year to lessen our burden when it comes to um, the amount of time that we dedicate in the fall um, and to really make our time in the fall more valuable, to really get down to um, essential decision-making and not sort of a rehash or, or a re-review of uh, material that we've already seen. So trying to work through that. But wanted to see if, first of all, you're okay with me um, using time on our FIC each month. I also would like permission to break a rule and um, utilize a PowerPoint to really keep some visual cues in place and then make it just very clear to council where we're at. Thank you, Director Cochran. Are there thoughts from the council? Councilmember Salahuddin. Yeah, thank you so much, and uh, I appreciate you bringing um, this proposal. I, I, I support it. I think having the opportunity to hear from you, and not sure if it was being done before I joined council, but I think it, it would be really valuable to just get those regular updates, especially the part about uh, assumptions um, that are changing or processes that are changing, even if there are none, just a validation that, you know, there's nothing changing. That would be really great, and I support PowerPoints as well, so. Thank you. That'd be great. Thank you. Council Anderson? I'm super excited to hear more about our financial position every financial or finance committee meeting. That sounds great. Um, one thing I, I did have a concern about it in terms of um, provi provided that you have the tools to do monthly projections and updates on revenue forecasts. I really appreciate the quarterly economic forecasts that we get. Um, quarterly is generally fine from from my perspective. So if it you know, may come back to us in terms of the frequency we need to see that, but I just uh, want to let you know I'm open to seeing it quarterly. Uh, monthly on that end is uh, more toward Ms. 
Mr. Salahuddin's suggestion on, you know, making sure that we are seeing any changes before they happen. Um, one thing I would recommend though, is if we do have a, th a quarterly forecast is just to remind us what that might be if there are no changes. So. Yeah, I do plan to continue um, bringing a quarterly financial report to council as part of um, new business um, during your regular business meetings um, to share information with the community and give you an idea of where our current budget is going. Um, I'll share any, you know, big information um, on that as well in these meetings, but really we'll focus on, you know, what's going to happen for 25-26. Love that idea on the quarterly meetings to the community. Thank you. All right. Councilmember Stewart. Yeah, thank you so much. I really do appreciate this. And um, for the new council members, one of the things I love about Director Cochran is when she says her goal is to take away the mystery. That means, That's like on us to call her and alleviate mystery, right? So I really do appreciate um, that. And to make our time more valuable in the fall. One of the things that I think about a lot this year um, is the amount of work that we have to accomplish and then do the budget. And so there's going to be big buckets of work that need to essentially be done by September. Um, in my mind, uh, you know, uh, somebody else mentioned their regret from last cycle today. Mine is around public safety and the funding questions we left um, unanswered because of the timing of the, of the failed levy and whatnot. So um, I'm really eager to see council and staff work together on some on solutions moving forward and, and to have that part of the conversation, you know, baked so that when we get into budget season, October, that big question has been answered. That's something that's important, I think. Great. Thank you. Thank you, Councilmember Stewart. I, I would echo, I, I think that is a big topic that's on a lot of our minds since we were uh, doing the budgeting two years ago with the hope that levy would pass and then we had a very short time to, to make changes before we passed our actual budget and we're planning to come back to that. I guess we can figure out whether it makes sense for those topics to come in this committee or to come in the, the Public Safety and Human Services Committee, but um, definitely will be one to look at as, as we go into budget conversations. Um, uh, from my part, I would say that I think last time one of the improvements that we made um, to talk halfway through the year about the CIP and most of the things we were going to see was a really big improvement from the previous budget cycle because we spent a lot of time the previous budget cycle during the October to December time frame discussing that and, and I think it really helped to streamline some of our conversations so that we, we had made some of those decisions and we were more revisiting and adding anything new. So I think where we can do something similar to that with any other topics and also use some of this committee, well, today is a pretty packed agenda. Um, on, other, on other days, I've seen that this, this particular committee, since we rebalanced uh, two years ago, which what different topics get covered in committees, we often have a little bit more time uh, on this committee. So I think using that time to be able to do advanced budget work is a, a great idea. And if we need to take deep dives in um, study session, we certainly can do that as well. But if we can at least get the conversation started, and I, I like I'm like Councilmember Kritzer is mentioning, I'm hoping that we can get to fall with a, a lot of things checked off. Just revisit what has um, changed and focus on um, where council needs to make decisions. Thank you. And I will note that also one of the things we're planning for our council retreat is to have council be able to share ideas of some things that they would want to be, make sure they're seeing in the budget and to convey that to staff early so you can do planning on that. And potentially we can have any discussions around any net new items that come up in that um, during some of these committee discussions. Correct. Yes. Great. 
Thank you. Is, is that all on your agenda or do you have another item on here? One last item. It is very quick. We are um, coming to study session on the 27th. Um, the our agenda items are to provide you with um, an update on economic conditions, fourth quarter financials, our preliminary forecast, budget process overview, including um, the budget calendar and um, budgeting for equity. So I just wanted to see if there was any additional information that council can think of now that they would like to add. If you can't think of it now, you certainly can um, email me. Um, to the extent that it, it makes sense to take a peek again at the CIP, that would be um, at least a brief overview. I think the last report we had with Director Burt did not actually have financials. It was more on projects, if I'm remembering that correctly, and I could be wrong. But anyway, CIP is the next bucket missing from that list. So if we could check, that'd be great. Absolutely. Thank you. Any others? Okay, seeing none, uh, thank you very much. And um, we'll move on to the last item on our agenda. The last item on our agenda is um, the adoption of an ordinance for amendments to the Redmond Fire Code. And I believe that we have uh, we have um, Assistant Fire Marshal Rich Gieske here to present. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Uh, thanks for giving me the opportunity to come and present to you. Um, what I'm bringing to you today uh, is a request to move this to consent on February 20th. And what this is is uh, the regular triannual update of the Redmond Fire Code. Uh, so for new council members who may not be aware, uh, the state of Washington typically adopts a new state fire code every three years. The local jurisdictions then take that state fire code and make, can make amendments to it. We can be more restrictive than the state fire code, and that's what these are. Um, so a lot of the amendments, that you, uh, it's a long document, but a lot of the amendments that you see within the document, um, we actually presented to council back in May of last year, and it was adopted. Uh, the state then postponed their adoption of the fire code, uh, which then caused us to come back to you and rescind our adoption, and now we're coming back for a readoption of the fire code. Um, uh, from what you saw in May of last year to this time, there are no changes. So we're, we're just bringing the same language back forward. Uh, and as of now, the state is looking to adopt that on March 15th. And so uh, by coming to this committee and then to, to consent on the 20th, we'll ask to move forward with the building codes, uh, plumbing codes, mechanical codes, the whole body of codes that the state has adopted uh, to become effective on March 15th. I'd be glad to answer any questions you may have. Thank you. Other questions from the council? Seeing none, um, this is proposed for the February 20th business meeting to go into consent. Are there any objections to putting that on consent? Seeing none, please put that on consent. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Have a great night. All right. Um, that brings us to the end of our agenda. And if there is no objection, this meeting is adjourned.